Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. What a gift and a, a platform for anybody who wants to come and speak and minister after that great worship. And it is about him taking centre stage, isn't it, in our lives. And I want to talk about pursuit this morning. And um, set up so well by the set list. These guys didn't know what I was going to speak about this morning, but it just set it up so well. But I want to start by just um, sharing a wee uh, story. Um, two friends are walking through the woods when a huge brown bear suddenly appears in the clearing about 50 feet in front of them. The bear sees two men and begins to head toward them. The first guy quickly drops his rucksack to the ground, digs out a pair of trainers and frantically begins to put them on. The second guy says, what are you doing? Trainers won't help you outrun that bear. I don't need to outrun the bear, the first guy says. I just need to outrun you. When you've got friends like that, you don't need bears chasing you. Um, scary thought, isn't it, to be? Uh, but there's lots of things in life that pursue us. Lots of things in life that are vying for our attention. But it's about putting Jesus in there at the center. Uh, that's what the worship uh, is all about and was all about. It's about uh, centering us and recalibrating us and resetting us. And we need that at the start of every day. I don't know about you, but I need that. With all the distractions and all the cares of life, we need to be re-centered daily, don't we? That's why God created days. Because when you have a stinking day, or sometimes it's a stinking week, if it's really bad, it could be a stinking month. If it's horrible, it could be a stinking year. But God's given us days and it's so that the sun rises and the sun sets and then it's a, a new day. And I'm grateful, aren't you, that his mercies are new every morning. But we're going to talk about pursuit. And I want um, a few people to shout a few things out about things that you and I pursue. Shout me out a few things that, that, that you and I pursue in life. Jesus, there you go, the ultimate answer. Absolutely. But um, for those of you who are not as spiritual... Christina, I would have said the same thing. Some of the things in life that we pursue, it's not a trick question, I'm not trying to catch anybody out or make anybody look bad, but some of the things that we pursue in life. Bargains, yes, oh, woman after my own heart. See, I'm from Yorkshire and I like a good bargain. I love a good bargain. I like shopping around, get the best price for stuff and then a knockdown as the price as well on top of that. Anybody else, things that we pursue in life, so a, a bargain. A good house. So that would fall under, I suppose, a, a possession. So uh, we could say possessions, something that we pursue in life. Anyone else, something that you pursue? Food. Okay. So we could talk about gluttony there, couldn't we? Or, but food is something that we uh, often pursue. Anybody think of anything else that we, we pursue in life? Success. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. That's different for all of us, I suppose, because my definition of success uh, today is different than it was 10 years ago. Um, it used to be about the car you drive, the house you live in, or the world tells us what success is. But really success as a Christian is about doing what God has called you to do, being all that you can be and helping other people to be all that they can be. And success to me has become about what people the closest to me in my life say about me. That means I'm a success or not a success. It's not about the job title or the car or the status things that you can become a success or a failure in the world's eyes. 
Um, but success is something that we sometimes can chase after and pursue. Anything else that we've forgotten about? Entertainment. So we just live in an entertainment culture. Um, we like to be entertained. Our children, uh, I don't know about your children, but my children, my seven, five, and four-year-old, constantly want to be entertained. Long gone are the days where children just used to invent imaginary games and sit and play for hours together. Now it's about the next uh, game on the device, the iPad, the iPhone, and, and, it, and it's grab, grab, and it's... So we have, I think we... I spoke a, a month or so ago about uh, Steve Jobs when he was alive, not allowing his children to play on the inventions that his company created because he realized the danger of uh, technology and how people can uh, get so caught up in technology they don't develop social skills and the ability to, uh, to interact with one another. What about ministry? That can be something that we pursue. Um, and the scary thing about ministry in any form, because there's lots of different forms of ministry, this is one, but there's loads, you know, hospitality, administration, we forget those forms of ministry that are often behind the scenes, uh, which without those ministries, we don't have any upfront ministries. But ministry can be something we pursue. And you know you can pursue ministry without pursuing Jesus. That's the scary thought. You can pursue the things of God and not God himself. There's a beautiful psalm, Psalm 27 says, um, about seeking the face um, of God. God, I'll seek your face. Your face I will seek. Um, I want to dwell in your house. I want to be close to you. And sometimes you can be around the things of God and miss God. You could be in the middle of a move of God and remain untouched because God deals with our hearts, not with the, the exterior things around us. Our lives are not supposed to be defined by what we possess, but instead by what we pursue. And somebody once said, an object uh, in a person's possession rarely holds its value and attraction, uh, the same attraction it held when it was a pursuit. So let me say that again. An object in a person's possession rarely holds the value and attraction it held when it was still a pursuit. There's something about when we pursue stuff, that when we possess it, we begin to stop the pursuit of it. It's the sadness in a relationship um, that if you're married, we should always be sort of in a healthy way pursuing our wives, or if you're, if you're a wife, your husband. Um, because sometimes when you possess something, uh, you can very quickly lose interest in it. And that's the wonderful thing about God. Um, God will always have us pursuing him. We're never going to arrive and reach a place where we don't need to pursue God and go after God. And you know, God is always in hot pursuit of us. He's pursuing us. But the question, the, the real question is, are we, are we pursuing him? So I love Paul's writings to Timothy, his son in the faith. And in 1 Timothy 6, verse 11, in the context of this, he's um, talking about contentment and uh, relationship with uh, money or possessions. And uh, Paul says to Timothy, but as for you, O man of God, flee from these things. Aim at and pursue righteousness, right standing with God and true God goodness, godliness, which is the loving fear of God and being Christ-like, faith, love, steadfastness, patience, and gentleness of heart. So uh, he's encouraging Timothy to turn away from uh, the system and the world system of what uh, life and people tell Timothy he needs and to actually go after, to run away from that and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness of heart. He goes on in 2 Timothy 2 verse 22. He said, shun youthful lusts and flee from them and aim at and pursue righteousness, 
All that is virtuous and good. Right living, conformity to the will of God in thought, word and deed. And aim at and pursue faith, love and peace, harmony and concord with others. And in fellowship with all Christians who call upon the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. It's true, isn't it, in our culture and society today that uh, it couldn't be further away and, and divorced from God's system and God's way of doing things. And we're constantly bombarded in our life with something new every day. Um, telling us what we need or what we should have in our lives. And the truth is that um, these things are pursuing us, trying to uh, attract us and pull us away from our core purpose in life, which is to serve and to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And the sad thing is that the end of this pursuit of what the world tells us we're supposed to pursue is actually not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's actually a life full of um, promises that are not fulfilled and emptiness. And many people who who often find Christ, find Christ in a place called emptiness. Because when you are full, there's nothing left to pour into the vessel. So often many of us found Christ when we were empty. Because God's drawn to emptiness. And when you're empty, you're looking for something to fill you. 1 Peter 4 says this, Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get there your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. You've already put your time into that God-ignorant way of life, partying night after night, a drunken, wasteful and reckless life. Now it's time to be, good with, uh, now it's time to be done with that for good. Of course, your old friends don't understand why you want to join in with the old gang anywhere, anymore. But you don't have to give an account to them. They're the ones who will be called to the carpet and before God himself. Listen to the message. It was preached to those believers who are now dead. And yet, even though they died, just as all people must, they they will still get in on the life that God has given in Jesus. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. So take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. And most of all, love each other as if your life depended upon it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around, so all get in on it. What if there was a way to protect yourself from falling into the trap of self-seeking, self-serving, materialistic, greedy system we live inside, which is, a, which is the world system? What if there was a way to only get the things God had planned for your life in their perfect timing and season? Well, there is. There is a key. There is a secret. And it's not hidden from us because God doesn't hide stuff from us. He hides stuff for us. But he does want us to seek it out. He wants us to pursue. He's put within inside us a, 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 a desire to pursue. And he desires to, to pursue. And he wants us to pursue him. He could just reveal himself to us and uh, lay things out on a plate, but there's something about that gives God pleasure when we pursue Him. God has also set up a way to repel all the stuff He knows we don't need, but to magnetically attract all the stuff into our life that we, we do need. Matthew 6 is where I want to go. Matthew 6, verse 31. It says, Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, saying, What are we going to have to eat? Or what are we going to have to drink? Or what are we going to have? to wear. All questions that we ask daily, weekly, 
things that we worry and are anxious about. It says in verse 32, For the Gentiles, the heathen, wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows well that you need them all. Here's the key now in verse 33. But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing right and being right, and then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. In the NIV it says, uh, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added onto you, will be added to your life. So don't worry or be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough worries and anxieties of its own, sufficient for each day as its own trouble. So seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. And if we could live that way every day, much of the things that crowd out our life and grab, our, grab a hold of our life and distract us would, 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 would fall away. They'd fade away like we sang. All other things fade away until it's only him. Um, and there's only a, a handful of things in Scripture that the Bible tells us to, to pursue and to seek. Some of those are, you know, we're to seek um, heaven, we're to seek peace, we're to seek wisdom, we're to seek the lost. Um, there's not many, but the primary one of them all that um, overshadows everything else is to seek Christ. And in seeking him, there's a protection in, within that. You know the scripture that says, for we're hidden with Christ in God. There's this sense that when we're walking with him, we're, we're hidden from the attack of the enemy, and we're hidden in him, we're safe. It's when we step out and try to do things our own ways, when we get into all kinds of problems and difficulties. And I think part of our time on a Tuesday particularly is to recenter us and to reset us and get us back to uh, the centre of where God wants us to be, and that's with our focus and devotion on, on him, completely upon him. And the promise in the word from Jesus himself is, if you put me first, then I will make sure that I provide for you, that I take care of you. So we must take him at his word. We must believe what he has to say. We don't need to go around trying to accumulate all these different things that we think we need or we think that we want. We put him first and all the things we need will come and all the things we don't need will stay away. That's an interesting thought because God doesn't just do addition, he does subtraction as well. God, protect me from all the things that I don't need in my life right now and all the things I think I need. You've heard it said before, uh, you got what you wanted, but now do you want what you've got? In 2 Chronicles 1, we read about uh, Solomon. And Solomon is uh, visited, has a visitation with uh, God. And um, verse 10 through to 12 uh, talks about his story. But it says, uh, Solomon could ask for anything. God says to him, what would you like me to grant for you? Not that God's a genie and he's granting wishes, but he, he visits Solomon. He says, what would you like me to do for you? And Solomon's a wise man. Sol Solomon understands about putting Jesus at the center or God at the center. And he says, give me the wisdom and knowledge to lead the people properly. For who could possibly govern this great people of yours? And then God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but you rather ask for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I will also give you 
wealth, riches, fame, such as no other king had, has had before you or will ever have in the future. It's a beautiful story that when you go after what's close to God's heart, he actually gives you the desires of your heart. Because when your will is in line with God's will, um, the things that you desire and want will be things that he wants for your life. It protects you, doesn't it? But how many of us often go after the wrong thing? We go chasing after the thing that we need or we want instead of just trusting him to bring those things, trusting in the scriptures and saying, I trust you, Lord, that you are not a liar and that I can trust you and take you at your word. There's a story about a man who was climbing a ladder and he spent his whole life climbing this ladder which was leaning against a building. The tragedy was that when he reached the top of the ladder, he was devastated to discover it was leaning against the wrong building. What the world tells us we need um, is often many, much of the time, not what we need. And where do we take our instruction manual from? Where, where do we take our um, instructions from? Or where do we get our information from? It's from the Word of God, isn't it? It tells us how we're supposed to live our life. Not the latest magazine or um, the latest orator or a secular prophet who's got some great things to say, but are all often rooted into a humanistic life, which is about self and about brilliance and about intellect. When Jesus walked the earth, he was so focused on his mission. You know, for 30 years, he had to be focused. But particularly for the three years then in his public ministry, he was so focused, he was undivided. Michael W. Smith, who many of you will uh, know of, and uh, he wrote a song a few decades ago called uh, Secret Ambition. I don't know if you're a Michael W. Smith fan or you used to listen to that music, but uh, in my early 20s, I did. And he wrote this beautiful song that says, he had his secret ambition, talking about Jesus, was to give his life away. That was his secret ambition in life, to, to give his life away. And in order to give his life away, the Bible says, to find your life and everything that God's got for you in that life, you to give your life away. It sort of makes no sense to your intellect. How can you give something away to find something? Luke 19 verse 10 says his purpose, Jesus' purpose was to seek and save the lost, that which was lost. And he was constantly focused upon that. There's just a couple of things I want to run through. Just if you're taking notes, you can jot these down and then we're going to take some time. I do want us to uh, pray for Sam today. Um, Friday he goes to India on this mammoth bike ride and um, I'm sure he wants to have one last chance to give you opportunity to support him um, he keeps moving the goalposts on this target, but who wouldn't? You know, he's reached his target a couple of times. So the target's increased now, but we want to help him to, to raise as much money as he can. And we want to stand with him and pray for him. Because um, it's a great thing that they're doing. I want to also pray for the guys out in, um, who are climbing Kilimanjaro. I want to pray for Andy and Michelle and the guys that are in South Africa. Um, but let me just give you these quickly, and then you can do what you want with them. Um, some observations from Matthew 6, verse 33. Um, so there's a principle that John Maxwell introduced me to a number of years ago called the top button principle. Has anybody heard of that? The top button principle. Have you ever been in a rush and you're going out and if you're going out, or maybe, um, Tony, you've got a shirt on. If you're ever in a rush and you put your shirt on and you don't do the top button first, what, after, what often happens to your shirt? It doesn't, it doesn't do up properly, does it? 
Uh, there's this wonderful word called skew whiff. I don't know what it means. It sort of means it's like offset. That's right. Skew whiff. Great word, isn't it? Skew whiff. Skew whiff. Skew whiffery. Um, but when you do um, the shirt up from the bottom up, it, it sometimes you get to the top button and it's not quite right. And so you have to undo the buttons and start from the top. Uh, and, and that's the top button principle. Uh, it's all about priorities. If you get the top uh, priority right, everything else is going to follow suit. So often when we talk to people who come to, the, uh, come to Christ and become a Christian for the first time, and give their life to Jesus, we've got to focus on Jesus first of all, because if they get that right, everything else is going to follow in order. If Jesus is number one, he doesn't mind what is two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Because it will all be in order, won't it? Which is why that, that's the principle of the scripture in Matthew 6. Get the top button right, get the priorities right, seek him first, and then all the other things will, will, will follow in order. It's when we get the top thing wrong, which actually the Bible calls idolatry, when we put something else at the top. And it can even be things that are, are good in nature. I could put my spouse first. That's not such a bad thing to do. I could put my children first. That's not such a bad thing to do. I could put my job first. I could put the lost first, the people who don't know him. But the Bible doesn't say we should put any of those things first. It says we put him first. And then when we've got him first, we'll be about his mission anyway, won't we? And that's what vision, in essence, is about. Having a vision and values is about keeping us, keeping the main thing the main thing. Keeping first things first. I heard a comedian several months ago talking about, I know, let's keep first things second. You know, first things first, it's a bit of a stupid statement really, isn't it? Of course, first things are first. But it's a statement towards keeping the main thing the main thing. Keeping the top button uh, right and getting that right and then everything else follows suit. Um, Number two, activity is not necessarily accomplishment. You know, in a, in a, in a boat or a ship or a, a plane, um, you only need to get just one degree of error in, you know, nautically and you will end up in a completely different destination than when you set off. But it's only one degree out. Even one degree out will cause us to, to drift. And again, these times are so special at the beginning of a morning, particularly on a Tuesday, where we get a chance to recenter our hearts into, it's about you, Jesus. It's not about all the emails I've got to answer or all the meetings I've got to have. Um, All those things, they'll always be there in increasing measure. But it's about him first, because if he's not at the top, it's all going to be for nothing anyway. Because it's for him and his glory. So we can get busy with activity, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. We can be busy fools. Uh, John 15 talks about fruitfulness and says, you know, uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. We know that physically we can do things without, without Christ at the center. But what it means is of, of any eternal value, we can't achieve anything. Number three, we can't let anything crowd out that first priority. You know, the story of Mary and Martha, uh, we could preach lots of different ways and angles around it. But in Luke 10, we read the story about Mary and Martha and that Mary chose the right priority, which is to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn. But Martha was worried about the food Jesus was going to eat. She was worried about impressing Jesus, running around. And I can relate to that. Sometimes we're running around like Martha when we need to be like Mary. Now, there are times when 
we've sat at the feet of Jesus, like today when we're spending time in the Word and worship and recentering, that we're going to go on and, and, and have a fruitful day, hopefully. We're going to go on and do some things because God's called us to work and to mission. But if we don't start by sitting at the feet of Jesus, our priorities won't be right. Following Jesus, number four, following Jesus will be inconvenient and will need a willingness to be interrupted. It will be uncomfortable at times. And I haven't got time to read it all, but in Matthew 8, we read about a religious scholar who wants to follow Jesus as he's getting away from the crowds, which he often wanted to do. And he was going across the other side, across the lake, into a storm. And uh, Jesus is very curt with the religious scholar and says, uh, you know, first things first, your business is life and not death, because this man wants to go and and, and bury a relative. And Jesus said, you know, uh, follow me, pursue life. And Jesus was always um, breaking people out of their comfort zones. He he, he was often interrupting people and being inconveniencing people. But I love that Jesus lived, uh, he, he, only, he only preached what he practiced. The pressure of practice, trying to practice what you preach is, it's such a pressure. It, if we just preached what we practiced, it would be a lot lesser weight on us, wouldn't it? Um, and Jesus was, uh, was into inconveniencing people and interrupting people and, and making it not easy sometimes for people to follow him. He, wanted, he, he made it clear he wanted, that it would cost people everything. And then number five, and just in closing, um, God's way is, is not my way. Like Frank Sinatra, that famous song, you know, I did it my way. It's not a song we want as our uh, flagship song, is it? Uh, we want to do it uh, God's way. And God's way is the kingdom of God. His righteousness and his kingdom, seeking him first. God's way of doing things. God's way of being right. The kingdom simply is... Romans 14 defines it for us. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you wonder what the kingdom of God is. Um, the kingdom of God is those things. That's what we're uh, pursuing. In closing then, as we pray, and I want to... Sam, would you come out so we can pray for you? And is, it, is there anybody else, Sam, that's here who's doing the ride with you? Okay. Um, really want to... Uh, Pray for you, mate. And you know the, the interesting thing, the opposite of, of pursuit. Do you know what the opposite of pursuit is? The opposite of pursuit is surrender. And often in God's economy, he can use both. It's often called an oxymoron. Um, so you, you, you find your life by giving it away. Um, and you can pursue God, but it requires surrender. So he uses the both things. Is that yes, God wants us to pursue him, but the way we pursue him is to surrender. It doesn't really make any sense, does it? For you to acquire the next vehicle or the next house or the next material thing, the last thing you do is take your foot off the gas and wave a white flag. You go after it. You're tenacious. You're ambitious. But in God's economy, the way you attain is to surrender. It's a beautiful thought. The pursuit is not striving. The pursuit is in surrendering. The pursuit is is giving up. Not my will, but yours. I used to pray a prayer. More God, more of you in my life. I don't pray that anymore. Because I pray every day, uh, God help me to give more of me to you. Because that's the issue. The issue is not that God wants to give us more stuff. It's that he wants more. He demands more of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 